Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And this week we are going to talk about poaching. Everybody's favorite topic to hate. There's been some uh, pretty high profile poaching in the news in Ohio news this year. If you are not aware, there was a, depending on what article you read, somewhere in the neighborhood of a 228-inch buck poached in the state this year. It's a 26-point buck. And so our thoughts with this one is, I mean, we're going to kind of give you an update on the story just in case you haven't heard about it. But mainly to, to talk about poaching, the penalties associated with poaching in Ohio, you know, what we think about the prevalence of poaching in Ohio, that sort of thing, how, how the penalties are determined, if it's considered a, quote, big buck, and things of that nature. So I guess before we get into that, Jeff, why don't you sort of give us the high-level rundown of the story of this 228-inch buck that I think they've been referring to as hayrake. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, different stories out there, and we don't really want to spread misinformation. So um, the gist of the story... Yeah, you guys can Google it and read the articles. That I mean, we, yeah. we weren't involved with any of this. We don't know any of the people involved. We read the articles just like you can. So, I mean, we're just giving you an update on here in case you haven't heard the story. Yeah. But the, the gist of the story is in Coshocton County, there was this 26-point buck that had kind of become popular, well-known amongst the hunters. Hard for a big, giant buck like that not to become yeah, well-known. Yeah. It, it had become noticed. <laughs> yeah. Someone harvested it. The taxidermist posted a photo of it to Facebook, so people became aware that it was harvested, and People started asking the taxidermist if they could come look at it and kind of who shot it, you know, asking questions. And it just seemed to people like things weren't quite right. So they asked the game warden to look into it. The game warden became aware of it and started looking into it. And the first red flag that came up was that this buck had been caught on trail camera. It was known to be in a specific area which was in Coshocton County, possibly, you know, close to the Tuscaroras County line. Yeah. However, a 26-point buck was not checked in in either one of those counties. So then the game wardens started searching to see if a 26-point buck was checked in in any county. And on that, the rough date, one was checked in in Holmes County. So they reached out to that hunter because that's fishy you know they they kind of knew the general area and the hunter checked it in a completely different area right um, right my understanding was the area i mean you can look at a map and see but there is no physical way that deer could have traveled that distance and actually been harvested in holmes county correct so the game warden started questioning uh the hunter and he eventually admitted to harvesting two bucks that morning he had went out and shot a around 130 inch deer and then went out that evening and shot the 26 point 128 boone and crockett score buck 
and what he did was 228 you two, said 128 oh sorry 228 yes 228 what he did was he checked in the 20 well according to his own story his own statement was that he checked in the head of the 26 point buck and the body of the eight point it was an eight point yeah, yeah. As, as, one, as, as a buck, a, as a buck, yeah. and then went back the next day, took the body of the twenty-six point buck, and checked it in as a doe. Yeah. So that's oh, and he took the head of the one hundred and thirty-inch buck and threw it into a ditch, yeah. which the game wardens canvassed the area where he said he found or said he dumped it, and they did eventually find it. Yeah, yeah I had read that same thing that they he had dumped it and that they they found that discarded head. So so that's more or less the story of what happened in this particular case, which kind of prompted this episode. So with that, what, what was the ultimate penalty that they, that they served with that guy, this so particular case? He ended up being fined a, a total of... Uh, $28,741.46 total. That's uh, a hefty fine. Yeah. And $27,904.46 of that was specifically a trophy penalty. A uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a higher... Yeah. Uh, oh, what's the, the legal term? It's slipping my mind right now. You're a uh, legal guy. I, yeah, I can't yeah. help you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it later. Well, it'll come to uh, you. Yeah, yeah. But it was a specific penalty because it was a trophy class deer. Okay. There was a formula. Um, I couldn't find the exact formula um, in preparation for this, but there's a, a formula that, that the ODNR uses uh, to, calculate. to calculate fines for trophy And that's deer. based on... Score? It's like the based on score? Boone and Crockett score. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just in general, anything over a 125 Boone and Crockett is considered a trophy buck. In Ohio. Yeah. Um, if you shoot a buck, you're, you're, you're fine. How the state assess the value of that animal in fining you. Um, if it's below 225 inches, Boone and Crockett. 125 or 225? Sorry, 125. 125. 125. If it's below 125, you are charged $500. That's what they assess the value. Just like a standard, that's the value of a deer. That's doe buck. Uh, A a doe is actually $400. Oh, okay. Okay. A buck is Under 125 is 500. Yeah. And above 125, it goes into this formula, this, right. this trophy class animal. Right. If it's exactly 125, it is $1,531. Wow. Okay. Um, Big jump. Yeah. If you go up to, and then it's it's every point in scoring, mm-hmm. the value goes up. Okay. So at a 150 class steer, that's four thousand six hundred and twenty five dollars wow okay get up to 170 that's eight thousand five hundred and eighty five dollars this guy because his deer was 228 inches that penalty came to be twenty seven 
thousand nine hundred and four dollars and forty six cents. Wow, that is uh, that is a hefty fine. Now, was there was there any restitution? That's the word I was looking for. Okay, restitution. Okay, yes, that is making you know the kind of legal thing is making the state whole again, making for, it right. Yeah, yeah, because technically the the deer was stolen okay. from the state. Right. So they were recouping the cost of what what the state lost right. by this deer being poached. Now, in this in this specific case, were were there any kind of penalties on his license, or any, or was it just the monetary fine? He was given a a jail sentence of a hundred and six or not sixty days, mm-hmm. and a two year suspension of his license. Okay. But the judge made a stipulation that the sentence would be suspended, the jail time would be suspended, and his license would only be revoked for half the time, one year, if he paid his fine in full. Oh, okay. Um, which he did. He, oh, okay. You know, there's stories out about how he had this kind of money just to spend. We're not spreading rumors here. Yeah. You can draw your own conclusion. Yeah. But he was he was he had the resources to pay this fine in full. Okay. So that that poses a question. What where does poached deer fine money go? What it do you know what it's used for? Um I know that a I believe it's 10% right off the top goes straight to the ODNR for law enforcement, you know, it goes straight back to them. Okay. To provide you know it goes into odnr law enforcement fund the idea there probably being to help you know fund the law enforcement portion of it to keep to try to help keep this from happening in the future i'm assuming correct yeah yeah to basically allow the you know because it it costs a lot of money to conduct an investigation you know if there's lab testing, if you know, just man hours, yeah. it costs a lot of money. Yeah. The other thing is there's a turn in a poacher hotline yeah. website. You can just go to online and if you provide information, was it substantial, I believe is the word they use, okay. information that leads to a conviction, there there is a reward that can't you you know, the person that turns them in can get. Oh, okay. So some of it go goes there if if there was a, you know, someone that turned them in. But yeah. I, I think all of it goes, you know, at, with any fine, some of that money goes into a pool to pay for tips, you know, reward money for tips. Yeah, yeah. And that's the turning a poacher system's pretty nice. I've, I've never called the hotline. Yeah. Um, I have filed an online report. There was a buck dumped near my house. I live kind of on a back street and there was a, a buck dumped, you know, head just chopped off, nothing else done to it on the side of the road. And, you know, I just filled out the form, you know, cause it was much easier to just fill out this tip form because it was, you know, I don't know what the story is, but I wanted to make the ODNR aware that this is something. And that, that was a pretty simple process it was just an online form and you know you could fill out all the information you knew yeah 
and send it in. Nothing ever came of that, or do you know? No, no one ever contacted me. You know, I yeah. I don't know anything more than that. Sure. But, so I've experienced that system myself, and it's a lot easier than calling the game warden or, you know, because I've tried calling the game warden for other things before, and uh, most of the time you get a voicemail and don't get a miss. call back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, at least this way I know someone. Right. You know. Went into the system somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone will see this. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the, I guess, the the sort of the summary of this specific poaching case. The story of what happened. The penalty that was handed down. And... I guess the the high level details, like Jeff said, we don't want to get into, you can read up on all the speculation and things like that, but that's not what we're here to do. So just in general, I think I'd kind of like to talk more about the, the way the fines are calculated and then see where we go from there. So I guess in general, do you guys think a monetary you know, this guy was going to lose his license for two years. They they cut it down to one if he paid the full fine. But mainly, I mean, even two years isn't that long, right? I mean, do you guys think a a predominantly monetary penalty is good, bad, right, wrong? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Jake, you got a, something you want to... It's... I feel like it... It's maybe I, case by case. Yeah, case it's, by case. I, I really don't like to make everything cut and dry. Yeah. I feel like there's, I don't know. I mean, I guess sin among sin, but like, I feel like there's different levels of poaching on some level. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're harvesting a deer by legal means during a legal season that you have a tag for, you know, or, you know, like if he bought, now, for example, we'll use the same case. I don't know the specifics, but if he had two either sex tags, he's paying his money to the state. You know, it's shot or harvested during a legal season by legal methods. He just got two bucks. Not to poo-poo that, but that is different to me than someone spotlighting a deer and shooting it with a firearm out of firearm season. You know, there's different levels of poaching in my mind. One seems worse right. than One the other. Right, one seems much worse than the other. You know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of emotion involved with a 228-inch buck. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, there's a lot of emotion and, you know, so there's a lot of opinions and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, at the end of the day, assuming that the story predominantly of what I read is accurate, he harvested both those deer with a bow. I mean, it takes, depending on situation, I mean, you got to be, it's not like he shot it from his truck. You know what I mean? There is a right. difference there to me. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that he didn't deserve everything he got, or worse. You know, I'm not saying one way or the other. But I feel like if you're poaching an animal out of season or, you know, at night with lights or, you know, shooting it with a rifle during bow season, those type of things, to me, have a little worse of a sting take the antler size out of it other than just we'll call it trophy class anything that's trophy class right but i mean take the 228 inch part out of it you know say it was 150 inch that's still a big deer yeah but it's not a world record deer right you know so i i don't know i mean i don't think if the guy made you know just an honest lapse in judgment 
And I, I mean, it's hard for me to say what, you know, I mean, any one of us sitting in a tree and a 226 inch buck walks by, it's hard to say, you know, what, would yeah. you, what would you, what do? would you do? You're That's never a... in your life going to see another deer like that. Yeah. You know, so I'm, like I said, not that he's right. Cause he's not. Yeah. But it's tough to sit here and say, oh, he should never hunt again. Well, I you know, think, I mean, it's kind of a, it's hard. I think it's tough to say like, any poaching, you lose your light, your license for life. Right. Right. Because of those sort of nuances of, right. you know, you made a mistake. Right. And, and I mean, I definitely, I don't know if this, Jeff, maybe you know, if there's like a repeat offender, if you poach year after year, do your, at that point, I think it should become much more than monetary. You should start losing licenses for long periods of time or, yeah, there there definitely is increasing penalties for repeat offenders, including jail time. I mean, people have gotten real jail time for wildlife violations. Yeah. It's it's rare, but people have received real jail time. This was actually something I wanted to get into a little bit later, but I believe it was last year they broke up a uh poaching ring yeah i think you know, i remember seeing I mean, something they, about they that. had a game warden go undercover and infiltrate this ring it was a big deal it was an operation like yeah. it wasn't a dude um, like oh that looks like a nice one that that guy was actually the leader of that was actually charged with racketeering oh wow um because he was it was an organized crime and he was stealing deer from the state yeah yeah and i truly believe had it not been for his uh age excessive age he would have spent some real long time in in prison oh okay but he was quite old so i think i mean that that does factor in he didn't you know i believe he was also sick um Mm. you know chronically ill and Honestly, the state doesn't want to pay for that stuff. They don't want to pay for a chronically ill elderly inmate. So that, that that does factor into sentencing. Yeah. But had he been younger, I think he would have been sentenced to some substantial prison time. Yeah. I believe he did spend some time in prison, but it wasn't much. Yeah. Okay. So the one thing I want to mention here jeff's mentioned it a couple times that like the you know the the way it's viewed is they're stealing from the state just in general and you guys jump in and correct me if i misspeak here but deer or any wildlife are owned by the public in this country the the people of the of the country but they are managed on a state by state basis so they are in general, in general, managed by because migratory animals. Are yeah, that gets different. Managed. That, yes, yes. Thank um, you for yeah, mentioning yeah. that. Yes, and also, you know, federal laws always trump state laws. Right. So if the federal government says you can't do this, the state can't come in and say yes, you can do this. Right. Um, my understanding. I don't know. Maybe it's different specifically in wildlife law but typically this more stringent law trumps there are situations where state law is stricter than federal law yes yes Yes. okay but a a state can't 
in some cases make a law that is like negates a federal law. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes can't you know for example you know the one that that that's kind of hot and on the mind is gay marriage. The state can't make a law that outlaws gay marriage anymore because the federal government has made a law saying that it's legal. Right. So they can't come back and outlaw it. That's sometimes states can make stricter laws, but in other cases they can't. Right. So that's just kind of a the way it's viewed the wildlife model in this country is is kind of set up and it's in my opinion one of the or the best model that it, that is out there in the world right it's it's worked well since they've put this model in place it's done great things for the wildlife in this country but that's kind of you know when jeff is saying they quote unquote are stealing from the state or things like that that's that's kind of where that comes from. Right. So where were we? I derailed us on that, but I wanted to mention that we were talking about if the, we thought the, the penalties yeah. fit the crime. Yeah. Or, yeah. And when it, what we, with, with this particular instance, I think the penalty fits the crime pretty well, mm-hmm. but this is kind of where I see the minimum, you know, that they, things should only escalate from here. As far as monetarily or losing your license or prison time or... Both. Okay. You know, this... Because just flat out the value of this deer to the state, I mean, the formula they have wasn't made arbitrarily. Right. You know, there there was a assessment of the value of of a deer and a trophy deer. Right. So he basically, you know, took this valuable thing away from so there needed to be restitution paid because beyond that he didn't really get much in the way of fines and penalties and i think that's because this one this case was kind of a little bit more understandable um you know he he made a mistake but it was a little bit more it, it takes a lot of morality you know to hold back and when a 220 eight inch yeah. deer walks in front of you. Yeah. But had he shot this deer with a rifle, you know, in July, that would be a completely different story. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, that's, that's a lot more criminal first off, you know, shows more of a, a criminal will. If right. You will. Yeah. Intent to. Yeah. You know, because that there, there's planning, there's preparation in that where this was kind of a uh, spur-of-the-moment thing. Kind of the legal term would be like heat of passion, you know, incident. Um, So I think they should only, you know, things should only escalate from here. If you were to have shot this deer in July with a rifle, you know, I think fines should have been much higher. Yeah. You know, trophy class plus higher fines plus a much longer license suspension and probably you know i don't know about actual spending time in jail but a much larger suspended sentence do do you know if they do that like if if it's do they take those kind of things into consideration or is it just the the uh the trophy class penalty and 
Well, he probably would have been, I mean, he would have been charged with more crime, you know, more That's true, that's true. Um, You know, he would have been charged with shooting the deer with a rifle and shooting it out of season. Yeah. um, he, He would have had more charges and probably more harsh you know those yeah. those would have been seen as worse crimes yes so they at least take that into fact you know into consideration and i would assume you know that th- those are aggravating factors yeah you know to use legal terms again you know those those the penalties that they are assessing because he it was more intentional if you will the judge would have seen it worse you know and probably penalized him more. Yeah. You know, he, so, I mean, cause in Ohio, at least, um, judges have a fair amount of leeway with sentencing of most crimes, not all, but most crimes, they have a fair amount of leeway to kind of, you know, judge and, uh, determine how severe a crime was. Right. Even if it's the same under the same name, they kind of have some, some leeway. Right. Given the facts of this particular scenario. Right. What am I going to hand down as a sentence? Do you know, do you know if like what, what's the maximum? I know the formula is the formula, but like, can they, can they revoke a license for life? Do you know? Or yes. And they, they're Ohio is part of a, uh, I can't remember the term, like what it's, what the actual pact is called, but if you get your license suspended for life in Ohio, there's a group of states. Oh, it's like a multi-state. And almost like yeah. a reciprocating, but yeah, the opposite. Yeah. yeah, and it's suspended in all of those states. Okay. You know, so you, and I'm not sure with like a one-year suspension, if it's suspended for one year in all states, mm. but I know with like lifetime and repeat offenders, and if you get a lifetime suspension or a very long suspension it can apply to a bunch of states. Yeah. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's good to, that there's like a, like you said, like a reciprocity, mm. but it's like a blacklist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that definitely makes it more serious. Right. Right. Cause yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you could get your license to spend over life in Ohio, but, Pennsylvania is not too far away or Michigan, you know? Right. I wonder what that's, this is just me thinking. uh, I wonder what that's tied. Is it tied to your social? Is it tied to your driver's license? Is it just your name? I don't know know what that's linked to, to make, to like Make make sure that it's enforced. Yeah. I don't know what it's linked to, but I know current enforcement is not very good. Yeah. Um, because I've seen cases where, the person, you know, gets a wildlife violation and that's just kind of, you know, in there as a subtitle is like this person obtained a hunting license illegally because he wasn't supposed to be able to get one, oh. you know? So I, I don't believe it's at least in Ohio. I don't believe it's enforced very well yet. As far um, as people have lost their, their rights in another state and then they come here. Yeah. Yeah. I, see. I, I don't think that they, have found a very good way to monitor it yeah. because I have seen, you know, newspaper articles where the person wasn't even supposed to be able to buy a license. Right, right, right. It, it may be sort of like an honor system thing, you know, 
that that there's nothing to prevent you from buying that license. I but see. if you get busted, you know, then it's I see. it's a real yeah. it's a real bad situation and you're probably going to get prison time. Yeah. I see. Okay. Well, any I guess as far as poaching goes, is there anything else we want to talk about? Do we want to talk more about like the levels of uh I poaching? Yeah, I have a little topic that I kind of wanted to get into. Yeah. I think uh trophy class deer poaching is a lot more prevalent than we'd like to see. You know, it's it's to a disgusting amount. Really? Because as I mentioned, the Cleveland Cleveland area poaching ring that was busted up. That was um, the one you were mentioning last year. Yeah, yeah, last year. Okay. Um, I checked two of the main people in that ring against records in Buckeye Big Buck. Yeah. And, uh, well, actually, I checked three, and two of them had entries in Buckeye Big Buck. Oh, okay. One of them had three. Okay. The other one had two. And only one of these was in the noted time of the investigation where they were active, you yeah, know, okay. actively investigating these people. Only one of them was in that period of time. Yeah. But I have to imagine that, you know, the the other bucks were most likely harvested illegally as well. So do you or, think like a... Um, and I, like a gold medal thing, like if it was found, you were doping or something. You should lose all that stuff. Should be stripped. You should your name yes. should come out of the big the Buckeye Big Buck. I think so. Yeah. Yes, and I I I've sent an email to Buckeye Big Buck asking oh, really? about this before, and I never got a response. Yes, yeah. and that's something I might try to follow up on, but to see what what their policy is, and they would be good people to have on. Like somebody from Buckeye Big Buck would be good somebody to have a phone call just to you know, talk about the Buckeye Big Buck Club and have on the show. That mm-hmm. We should look into that. Yeah, yeah. Or if anybody knows anybody that uh, would want to, that works for the Buckeye Big Buck and is listening, you know, wants to shoot us a, shoot us a note, that would, uh, that would be, make for a good episode. But anyhow. What is the Buckeye Big Buck qualification? How big to get in the Buckeye Big Buck? I believe for a typical buck, it's 140 inches. 140 you know Buckeye Big Buck score. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's a identical to Boone and Crockett. I don't think it is, but it might be. But 140. Okay. I feel like this is kind of going back to for the, a typical, typical deer. Going back to the penalties, I feel like the formula needs to be ramped up or more severe once you get over 200 inches, because that's like the holy grail of white-tailed deer. There's like a there's like a squared factor yeah, or something. Like a, whatever it is, yeah. but like a two hundred inch deer is like, you know, you could at least you used to be able to count on, you know, your fingers how many people have killed two hundred inch deer. Right. Especially in Ohio. I mean it but I'm talking typical. Two hundred inch roughly, you know, not talking non typical yeah. for this conversation specifically, but um because I feel like if a two hundred inch deer is harvested and it's starting to become more and more common with you know the people are managing right, for that management yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I feel like a 200 inch deer brings way more money to your state in terms of future hunters out of state. You know, because Ohio becomes 
known for 200 inches like Iowa. Right. You know what I mean? It's a, that's a totally different, that's worth way more than whatever, $28,000 to the state of Ohio. You know, I just feel like there needs to be, and I don't know what, I just am saying 200, whatever that number yeah. becomes. I feel like there needs to be an amplification factor when you get to those like world record size trophy. And with the internet, I mean, the pictures get out and the news gets out that that deer was from Ohio and lived in Ohio. Yeah. So it may have the same effect, but it's just a little different that it was poached versus, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Cause now that deer can't travel the trade shows like a legally harvested buck would. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's going to just sit in the ODNR office on the wall. Yeah. I mean, the ODNR may, you know, at the Ohio Deer Expo, they they may have that that buck, you know, in their booth there. You know, they like to have their uh, illegally, you know, their seized yeah. stuff yeah. there to kind of, you know, both as look at what Ohio has and kind of look what we caught, yeah, you know, yeah. like kind of a trophy to them is like, yeah. We are we, doing something. Yeah, we busted this guy. <laughs> right. You know, we busted yeah. all these guys. Yeah, you know. So they changed the name of the if I, if I, if it's the same show, they changed the name of the Ohio Deer and Turkey Expo, right? It's now like the Outdoor Life Field and Stream Outdoor yeah, Expo. Yeah. I I think, if I, and I could be wrong here, that the company that put it on was acquired by. What is it? Booner Brands? Is that who owns Field and Stream? I think it's it sounds I, familiar. It's, yeah, yeah it could I, be. I think it I think they be. were acquired by okay. the company that owns Field and Stream. I see. Field and Stream magazine, not the stores. Big difference. Be- very big difference. Yeah. Field and Stream stores are owned by Dick Sporting Goods and uh do not give them your business. Yes. I've been seeing stuff going around that uh, on the, some of the Facebook groups. This is totally unrelated to our topic, but I'm going to derail us for a second about um, Mossberg ceasing to do business with Dick Sporting Goods. And but I looked at the at the article. It was a blog article from Mossberg's blog, and it was from like May. But I don't. It's like hmm. for some reason surfaced on some of the the yeah, Ohio re, deer re, hunting resurfaced. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like. I, that that might be linked to in Dick Sporting Goods' last shareholder meeting or whatever, you know, because they're publicly traded. Yeah, they talked about how their field and stream stores are struggling. I've been seeing a lot of news um, about that, and that they're they're considering closing their field, which they just invested a lot of money. Yeah, I the, it, very poor poor business move on their part yeah. to do what they've what done they did, yeah. because they had just invested all this money in opening with the starting the field and stream brand and then opening all these stores. Yeah. And then they kind of turned around and stabbed sportsmen in the back. Yeah. So, cause I had, I had heard something that they were even considering taking their, like their hunting and fishing stuff out completely from well, the Dick Sporting Goods. they're not selling it. That's yeah, what I, I read. I, they're talking about pulling it all, but not because they're taking a further stand. They're just not selling it right. because sportsmen yeah. aren't yeah, I believe going to Dick's. Stop there. shopping there, yeah. I right. believe they're they're trying, they're they're testing it in a couple of their locations. I where think I'd read it's, that, yeah. It's already sold the poor, poorest. They, they're pulling it and putting 
things that sell well. Yeah. I think primarily baseball. Okay. Into those sections, you know, increasing those yeah. sections of the store. Yeah. Totally unrelated totally to coaching. Totally unrelated. Yeah. But we, we, went, we went chasing rabbits yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Business economics. Happens. So Don't poke a sleeping bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So anything else we want to talk about on poaching here before we shut it down? Uh, something I kind of want to say is, Don't you know, poach. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> but also, you know, when it comes to this trophy class stuff and, you know, I, th- I think we, we all need to do a little better at, if you see something, say something. Yeah. You know, because I yep. think it, it it really hurts the state, the sport, all of it. Yeah. These trophy buck poachers. Especially the non-hunting public, right? They see a news article because it's going to be in the news. Mm-hmm. They see a news article and they say, see, hunters only care about trophies. You know, and that, that word can have a... There's some some more meaning to that word sometimes what what hunters call a trophy can be very different from what a non-hunting person when they say trophy what they mean yeah and well and the term trophy hunter as well yeah because you know to to some hunters people who self-identify as trophy hunters you know they kind of think that that means that they're selective and right you know they're, they're selectively harvesting yeah where to the general public, the term trophy hunter basically means I'm shooting the deer and all I want are the horns. Yep. I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to cut the head off and leave the leave rest. Leave the rest. Yep. Yeah. They've done studies on that, right? I mean, they've done research on that. When you start talking about hunting with the general public, they're like, yeah, you know, hunting. My grandpa hunted, you know, but mm-hmm. you start saying, how do you feel about trophy hunting? And all of a sudden it's like, nope, don't like it. You know, approval for that goes way down. And I don't know the specific stats on it, but, you know, you can look into that. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. See something, say something, because it makes, I wouldn't call a poacher a hunter. Mm-hmm. Like we talked, there are some scenarios where you made a bad decision, you're a poacher but i mean especially like these poaching rings and stuff like those guys that's those people aren't hunters right they're poachers right they're criminals right and but because they are doing it under the guise of hunting that's what the general public sees they see poaching and they equate it to hunting and it just puts a black eye on the rest of us and so also if you know somebody that I mean if you know somebody that's doing stupid stuff man say something don't do that (laughs) but yeah see something say something any other closing thoughts we want before we wrap up on this one this has been an interesting one a little bit different than some of our past episodes, more of our uh, opinions, I guess, on on a topic like this than you know facts on hunting laws, which are facts, you know. Right, right. This yeah. one had a little bit more emotion than yeah, cut and dry, yeah, facts. 
Well, and, and it, it does, right? I mean, right. there's people work hard to, even if it was a public land, because I, I don't know if this was a public land, private land, don't know. But, you know, anybody has just as much right as the next guy to public land, but people start to get a sense of ownership over deer. They're like, this is my spot, and I've been running tarot cameras, and I've been seeing this deer, and you shot my deer sort of thing when it's it's public land man it's everybody's deer so right or even there's if emotion right even if it's private land i mean deer unless you own a lot of land deer move right. between your land and someone else's land yeah. and, you know i i just heard uh not to name drop so to speak but i just saw the other day that um mark kenyon from the wired to hunt podcast one of the deer he'd been following, he shot a big old deer this year, but mm-hmm. another deer that he had been following, he called Survivor, that was kind of on his radar for the next year, his neighbor shot it. Yeah. He made a point to, you know, help with the recovery and be yeah. part of it because that story now has come to a close. And I just thought it was good the way that he, you know, yeah. celebrated it right. instead of you shot my deer. Yeah. Even though he's been highlighting that deer you know, it's part of being famous, I guess. Everybody knows who your deer are and <laughs> right. they can typically yeah. figure out where you hunt. But, you know, it's just important that if you do have a situation like that where you got a big giant buck and your neighbor shoots it, you know, I mean, yeah, it's bittersweet. But at the same time, like, we've got to support each other because, yep. unfortunately, the general public doesn't support us, especially yeah. when you start throwing, like you said, the name trophy or the word trophy in front of it. Yeah. So and it's just... Just like, you know, talking about the general public, I would just urge people to talk about hunting to the non-hunting public in a um, in a positive light. Because I am continually surprised by how much people don't understand or don't know. Things that, you know, we grew up hunting that we take for granted that people know. You know, I've been I've been talking about hunting and and had people you know non hunting didn't grow up hunting parents you know dad didn't hunt whatever like oh I didn't realize that there was like seasons for that like the, there was only certain times of the year that you know something as basic as that that is like you know night and day we understand that there are seasons for all of the wildlife there's rules bag limits all of that the basic core stuff general public some general public doesn't know doesn't realize and so helping people understand that it's not just a free-for-all and everybody's out there chugging beers and shooting deers Mm. like that's not what happens right because i i feel like sometimes that's what people think right like shoot them all right it's and it's just a very regulated Thing. there's laws there's rules there's things you can and can't do and so i guess that's just my public service announcement to mm-hmm. talk about hunting in a positive light to your non-hunting public your non-hunting friends yeah and i, I mean i think with that hunters by nature at least the majority of hunters the kind of some of the newer hunters are you know a different personality type and by newer hunters i mean like the people that have started hunting we'll say in the last 10 or 15 years some of those are more you know food hunter meat hunter 
they're hunting. You're talking youth getting into it, or you're talking adult onset hunters? All of the above. Okay. Um, adult onset, I guess. But your traditional hunters are typically more of a introverted. I keep to myself. I worry about myself. I do, you know, I take care of myself and my family. Right. More solitary. More solitary, which opens us up to this is kind of going back to see something, say something. I'm not going to tattle on that guy. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting involved in his business. Yeah. That's what he's doing it. Not me. I'm following the law. But, you know, when you start getting into some more of the extroverted personality types that are kind of coming on late onset, I would say they're more food hunters and they're more active in whatever, you know, social media. And that right. They want stuff. to tell their story. Right. And yeah, you know, those type of people, I would say, are, you know, they're more likely to, like you said, share their story or talk about it. So just the, I'd say the majority of hunters don't talk about hunting in a positive light. So yeah. like you said, the non-hunters, all they hear is the bad stories, the trophy hunting stories, yep. the poaching stories. You know, your coworker doesn't hear about, you know, like all the stories we told last, you know, our, our stories episode. Yeah, episode 19. You know, it's they don't hear those kind of stories yeah. where it's just guys going out in the woods and enjoying their time. And, yep. you know, we don't, we don't, there's very little trophy, what would be considered, you know, if you say a trophy buck is 150 inches or bigger, you know, there may be one of those in a thousand square miles of where we hunt down south. You know what I mean? There's just, it's not, yeah. they're not there. And we still go down there and we have a great time and we hunt and we harvest a lot of deer and, you know, eat all of our, you know, it's just, they don't hear that stuff. All yeah. they hear about is the big, beautiful Bambi, you yep. know, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot to hunting that isn't big giant bucks. Yeah. We all love big giant bucks. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying if one walked by, I wouldn't shoot it. But there's a lot to, you know, your hunting stories and heritage and what it means to you that if you kind of talk to people about it, yep. they can see it in a new light. And it's not just you want to go out there and get the biggest antlers possible. Yeah. that uh, That's a good way to close. I want to not add one thing, but you, you were talking about like adult onset hunt, adult onset hunters and, you know, they're kind of getting into it for the food, man. I applaud those people because could you imagine if we didn't grow up hunting? Like, wh- you know, wh- where do you start? Right. I mean, we mm-hmm. did an episode on, on hunting for beginners be, sort of because of that, because it's like, man, getting into it as an adult with nobody to take you or show you is like, that's a, daunting task and so people that are getting into it as an adult right and figuring it out i applaud those people i would love to have somebody that has done that talk to them on the show because that is like i don't know that's just impressive to me it's hard for me to even fathom how you would go about doing it i mean especially if you did it without a mentor like you literally just right picked up and figured it all out i'm gonna read the rule book i'm gonna learn to shoot i'm gonna whatever there's a lot of noise out there, you know. Everybody's got their own opinion on how to do it, and yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of noise, right. you know, beyond just the basics, right? You know, no no one's creating a YouTube video on how to walk quietly through the woods, yeah. You know, which is a skill, right? <laughs> you know, I right that maybe I mean maybe your dad or your uncle or your grandpa didn't even like go out of his way to teach you but you just picked it up when he kept looking back you know giving you that look like be quiet 
right? Yeah. You just, as a kid, you just learned through experiencing it. And as an adult, right, it's like, how do you, like you said, there's no, yeah. it's like, how did, how do you, how do you fine tune your scent control regiment or something? You know, it's mm-hmm. not walking quietly in crunchy leaves or something. Right. So, which walking quiet, quiet, excuse me, quietly through the woods is going to kill you a lot more deer than fine tuning your scent control regiment. Yeah. At the end of the day, it just yeah. is. I mean, maybe not necessarily when you're talking again, trophy big bucks, because without scent control and walking quietly, you're not going to ever see any of those. But yeah. if you're just, I mean, killing deer i mean walking through the woods or moving through the woods quietly is more important than whether you perfected your scent control or if you have some little minute thing that you're not doing perfectly right Right. i mean it's not really gonna we've talked about that it's not gonna make or break if you are successful unless you're targeting a specific mature buck that has it figured out you know i mean you could walk through the woods quietly and walk within bow range of a lot of deer yeah so and that's with no scent control that's just this year right that's just walked up on a walked up on a doe yeah yeah all right well we uh kind of got off the poaching topic but that's all right that's uh That's what I like about this, right? We can kind of go where the conversation takes us. And so with that, I think we're going to shut this one off. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for subscribing, downloading, following us on Facebook and Instagram. It helps us, helps other people find the show. And we'll keep making them if you guys keep listening to them. So we are Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman Podcast on Instagram. Like I said, follow us, follow our stories. That's a good way to kind of get some day-to-day updates. We post interesting articles, what we're doing in in the woods, in the off-season, target shooting, that sort of stuff. So that's a good way to keep up to date. And with that, thanks everybody for listening.